0: you're listening to industrial evolution where we're exploring how industrial enterprise leaders can use emerging technologies to stay competitive i'm your host chad perry cto software engineer and digital strategy expert and i'm interviewing the most innovative companies in the world to reveal the future of how we make grow move and power things These are the pioneers who are shaping the future of manufacturing, agriculture, transportation, energy, and every other industrial sector. In each episode, we're looking at key technologies, state of the market, the challenges of adopting technology into an organization, and success stories of early adopters who have been able to revolutionize their business on the back of these innovations. You can find more episodes and guest information on our website, evolution.industrial.fm. Enjoy the show. This episode is part two of my interview with Joan Mulvahill and Julia Jonas of Siemens. If you haven't listened to the first part, definitely check it out or you'll end up missing some important context. This concept of co-creation, especially as a form of artistic expression in and of itself is so powerful because there are so many different problems that are inherently solved. The first is just traditional communication problems. We, we see this in organizational dynamics. People have different ways of approaching things. And you probably are familiar with that. I don't remember the name of it, but it's it's the face. It's like the black and white impression of a lady's face. And it can be two different things. It can be an old woman or it can be a young woman. And people see these differently. And eventually you can see it both ways. So there's this conflict resolution that often has to occur despite the fact that you are going for the same outcome. You see the problem differently. So the idea then is to embrace that and embrace that that will happen and be inevitable and to support that with this idea of co-creation and in the process, honor the MVPs and the experimentation that come out of it.
1: One important aspect of this is to give people a language in which they can talk to each other. And that's like the core principle of service design, design thinking, is really give them something to talk about and not talk to each other. Because usually if you if you work, if, if you start discussion about innovation, it's like, yeah, but this is tricky for us because this is tricky for us because and it's disciplines talking to each other. and that can easily tweak into against each other. But once you give them something to play with, something to talk about, where they can find out how they can fit together, how they can bring in their competences and expertise to create a process together that will work for everyone. Like you let them play through processes with Lego bricks or uh, tech bricks, etc then you can actually talk about things and and get to a solution much faster and get all those disciplines and perspectives together
2: for a joint vision and purpose. I think there's a lovely aspect to what you described there about focusing on the problem, talking about that rather than just talking to one another. And there's a bit in the artist part about letting go of ego, focusing on the idea that you've committed to create and that the artist ego can get in their way sometimes when they they keep tweaking and messing with their idea focus on the idea focus on the execution of that and as an artist you tend to be working on your own but your own you get in your own way so one of the things that I do as an art practice and this is where I borrow from tech and bring it into art practice is that when I paint I use Agile. So I come up with concept, idea, and then I paint it. Uh, I agree in my head what the thing is, and then I start. But I have then uh, – I paint in sprints. So I have stand-up scrum meetings with myself about how things are going halfway through a painting. And then I will agree the next steps. And then I step away. I have a little scrum meeting with myself. I am the product owner. I am everything, but I am the idea. But it's, it's about trusting in the idea and stepping away from over intellectualizing it in my head about what other people will think. Focus on the idea. It's not about me, it's just about the idea. And when we co create with other people, we have to step out of. This is not about me. This is not my ownership. This is the idea.
0: To bring this full circle, what I'm hearing in terms of practical guidance is first of all, you want to give your co-creation space, your people, especially from different disciplines, a problem to talk about and not necessarily other things that might come along with that, like the, the process or whatever it happens to be. And then the second from you, Joan, is that this idea of ego, which you want to let go of as an artist? Um, I, when I think of ego, I, I think what you're describing is the voice in our head that judges what we're doing, right? And that creates all kinds of problems, and that's been talked about for thousands and thousands of years in philosophy. So we're letting go of judgment of what we're doing. I want to follow that up with a little bit more on the practical side, and that is, what is it? from your perspective, Joan, and I want to also get get this from you, Julia. I'm curious in terms of practical next steps. What can an organization do to nurture the personal artistic and creativity that is untapped potentially in their workforce, especially in people like you who might be a little bit more right brain dominant and less comfortable bringing that into the professional world.
2: How to apply this practically for an organization is always going to be a challenge. But I think the first thing we need to do as organizations is recognize that this talent exists, that this, and I don't mean talent in a, a, you know, gifted way. I, I mean, a skill that people have managed to maintain and cultivate and develop through their lives. I believe everybody is born creative. You know, we wouldn't have gotten through childhood if we weren't creative because we'd never have learned how to play. But it's some people have managed to hang on to that. And we should, I think organizations have an opportunity, first of all, to create a a place where someone can feel very, very open about. We talk about bringing our whole selves to work. So, first of all, recognize that this is a skill that we appreciate, that we Cherish them, that is, you know, we really want people to be open about their creativity. Um, And then actively work around how do we explore how to get the best out of those people? So don't have an organization where we say, well, that's your hobby that sits over there, that's not part of your day job. It's about saying, actually, this is a really, really valuable resource. And we need to make sure that those people with those particular skills have roles in the organization that that fit with that. Um, The World Economic Forum published a report at the start of the year um, saying that the three skills critical for the fourth industrial revolution were complex problem solving, critical thinking, and creativity. And we know how to educate and train for complex problem solving and critical thinking. And where we're struggling is how do we upskill people on creativity? That means understanding creativity more, really thinking about what it means and how can we upskill people on that. We encourage people in our organizations to, you know, we, we run loads of great keep well programs in Siemens about us all being physically well, about our mental well-being. This is all very, very important. But how are we getting people we, we talk about physical fitness, how do we get them creatively fit? I as I said earlier on in the interview that it's it's a muscle in our brain. And we need to get fit. I don't believe that everybody who goes out to go for a run, including myself, is ever going to get fit enough and fast enough to compete in the Olympics. But I can get fit enough and fast enough to stay healthy and well, to be my best physical self. I equally think that everybody who picks up a paintbrush or a pencil or a musical instrument or sings a song or sculpts something or... Knits something, whatever it is they're doing, or writes something with beautiful writers are important that communication skill and creativity. And um, whatever they're doing, there, we it's not about saying that you know you're going to win a Pulitzer Prize or the Nobel Prize for literature, or you're going to hang an amazing museum, but it's about saying everybody has the capacity to build the skill to a level that they are their best creative selves. And I think that's a challenge for organizations that practically we can start looking at around how do we build creativity as a skill in the organization? First of all, recognize it is a skill. Second of all, promote the people who have that. I don't mean promote, promote, but I mean, you know, put forward, this is something that we appreciate and value and allow them the space to contribute in that way. So I
1: think there is a lot that can support um, creative individuals in their everyday life, and I do believe that it's not only up to managers to, of course, communicate a clear vision and be transparent about goals and be transparent about strategies and pro- provide that space for for creativity and also to give to provide resources to be creative to do co-creation to go try out but also on in our in our work teams to be open for experimentation to be open towards really differently skilled people and be open to just try things in to do things in new ways that we're not used to so it's actually not only up to management to be like oh now you may be creative and I give you the space but also to us as individuals in our everyday life to be like okay here is a new colleague um, has a different experience has a different background let's Let's experiment, let's experience what this person can bring into our team and be inspired.
0: Now, I know that this may be obvious at this point because you two represent Siemens and Siemens is kind of in this unique position where it's been around for 173 years as an industrial juggernaut, but at the same time, There's now this professional services organization, Siemens Advanta, that has been around since I I believe at least the mid 90s. And there's, there's so much domain knowledge wrapped up in the Siemens umbrella that there's gonna be obvious advantages there. Let's look at Siemens as a potential role model. Siemens has been through its own digital transformation Tell me about what that transformation has been like from your perspective.
2: So I've only been with Siemens uh, just over 18 months now. Um, And it's been a really exciting time to be in the organization. In the same way as you, Chad, I would have understood Siemens to be this large industrial engineering organization. And yet, just last week, our, our incoming CEO, Roland Bush, sent out a statement to everybody. And he said words that made my heart sing. (laughs) He said, we are not an industrial conglomerate. We are a focused technology company. We will help our customers to achieve more with less natural resources. Less natural resources. So this is an organization who recognizes its responsibility in our role in terms of sustainability, but also moving beyond an industrial engineering company to a focused technology company. So that for me is really transformative in terms of a message coming to every single person, not only who works in in Siemens, but also every customer who's listening to that. Um, And again, it's, it comes down to the principles of the conventions of our art. Companies struggle as an artist struggles when they say the conventions of sculpture are this, the conventions of art are that. That sculpture and that that artist will never break free into doing something really innovative if they get caught in the traditions of those practices. So they have to break out of those and to create something really, really new, not get bogged down in the tradition. And it is not that traditions are bad. Siemens have a phenomenal tradition, and you described it as a domain expertise. Yes, we do. We understand these industries incredibly well. But what we have not done is limited ourselves and bogged ourselves down in the traditions of the engineering and said, that's all we will do. We will make parts. We don't. We innovate through technology, through data. So we have broken free of those conventions. It's not to say that we don't respect them. It's not to say that we don't still value them and do them, but that we can go beyond those traditions and that we can embrace the fact that it's now 2020 and the world is digital. And we can say with confidence that we are a focused technology company and that something that anchors everything we will do is this value that we will help our customers to achieve more using less natural resources so for me the last 18 months have made me smile so much i have been at risk of developing a second dimple
1: i have been looking and working with siemens for the past about 10 years i think it has been very impressive how siemens has embraced being open being collaborative um, being rather a dominator than a part becoming a partner to in, in the industry this partnering and collaboration has been fostered through so many different initiatives there is trainings for top managers there is trainings on innovation tools and about digitalization technologies, there is training about different tiny aspects and and sharing and collaboration throughout the organization and really living that learning from each other and and becoming a learning organization, uh, learning from dialogue with customers. And then also there is all these initiatives that really show Everyone in Siemens can be an entrepreneur and foster that entrepreneurial spirit with so many different initiatives that all include training, that all include coaching about how to develop new business models, about how to deal with different technologies and designing new processes. So I think the overall spirit is really there to be an innovation company. And to be a trustful partner for others to go along in innovation and also design and architect innovation together in established industry, but also with new industries and new partnerships.
0: The takeaway there is that if you want to be an innovative organization, you have to be an innovative organization. It's not just about siloed creativity. It's not just about co-creation. It's not just about training. It's about all of those things together because creativity and transformation cuts across every level of the organization, every role, every type of person, everybody, partners, clients, customers, whatever it is. So we're going to have to wrap up here in a minute, but Joan, I want to come back to you because you mentioned that Siemens, in fact, your, your CEO said that you're a technology company, and I'm curious from your perspective what is the difference between an engineering organization and a technology company? And how do you know where you are on that spectrum so that you can get it right?
2: Super and challenging question, Chad. Thank you so much. I guess if when I described it that way, I I was putting it in the context of traditions and that certain words connote a certain tradition. So when we think of industrial engineering, we tend to think about large, complicated systems and parts. They tend to have a very physical, heavy, physical mass attached to them. There is a product at the end of it. That is the engineering tradition. When we put the connotations of technology, what what, what are the traditions there? It tends to be much more around data It tends to be much more around connectivity. It is less about a static physical product that is put into a part of a power plant or a factory. And it is much more about how those parts all move together. It's much more systems oriented. So I think they're the two different traditions for engineering and the one for technology. I think where Siemens are so exceptional in that being able to make that transition is that those engineering traditions, those engineering skills are based around a domain expertise of understanding how those businesses work. And customers are not factories. Customers are businesses. Customers are not power plants. They are utilities. They are businesses. They, they, they make the world turn. And we have and that's this whole idea of concept, this this thing about focus on the value. So we understand the value that our customers bring to their customers. And because of that, we can move deftly from solving those problems from an engineering approach. This is how you would solve the problem using these skills. These are the same problems, but this is how we can solve it now in a new way. Our core skill and is that, uh, that domain understanding and our understanding of that value. And now we just have the technology skills to be able to solve those problems in new ways.
0: So I'd like to end on a note of inspiration that goes back to the creativity, because I think this is such a beautiful story. That is that you mentioned that your Siemens Ireland CEO is in fact a poet for lack of a better term. I guess that would be, that would be the right description and he writes personal poetry. And so recently he has come out as a poet. And so can you tell me about that?
2: Well, he'll probably be mortified that I've been talking about him like this. But at the start of this year, um, our CEO, Gary O'Callaghan, wrote this beautiful, witty, sharp, funny and poignant poem about the situation that we were all in. So that, for me, is the soul of an artist, because that's somebody who was moved by an experience that everybody was having and felt compelled to create something. So he wrote this really cool poem. And I thought it was fab and I think he had put it on LinkedIn already or was thinking about it. And I said, no, no, do it. And then he wrote a few more during lockdown and he would send them to me. And I said, Gary, put them on LinkedIn. I would put them, I would send them into the the national newspaper. And for me, it was such a lovely moment. I don't think many of my colleagues knew that Gary wrote poetry. And I think what was interesting is that because I was so open about being a painter, Gary felt, well, I could probably tell Joan and she would understand. And that's the great thing about once you find one artist in your organization, you will find loads because they'll all start coming out. But for me, what I loved about it was this phenomenal response he'd received to those posts on LinkedIn. And yet we can put up really newsworthy um, stories about brilliant technical innovations that Siemens have done. But actually, what people really want is to know that we are an organization with a soul, with with values who really care about what's going on. And I thought him putting that out there said so much about who he was, but who we are as an organization, that these are the kind of people that are here. And that, for me, was really special.
0: On that note, we're going to have to wrap up. It's been a fascinating conversation. We could talk about this for hours. I know I can just, I can see it in your faces. (laughs) You're so excited about this. And I really appreciate you going into that level of detail because this is something that definitely needs to be uncovered more in organizations. This is a point of competitive advantage. This is a point of just baseline happiness and healthy culture in an organization. Thank you so much, Joan.
2: Thank you so much, Chad, for having us on and giving me the opportunity to talk about clearly my favorite subject.
0: And thank you so much, Julia.
2: It was a pleasure to be with you. And
1: you, Joan, really great to talk about innovation, creativity, and co-creation.